Welcome to the New Chemist Podcast. We're glad you're listening. Feel free to download this podcast on Spotify and Google Podcasts. Here on the New Chemist, we discuss chemistry, which simply put is the science of change, as well as the other sciences, careers, community, research, and COVID-19. We're happy you're tuning in. My guest today is Dr. Delmar Larson. Thanks for joining me today. It is good to hear from you. Just briefly, I'll inform my audience about you. Dr. Delmar Larson is a professor in the Department of Chemistry at the University of California, Davis. Dr. Larson received his PhD from the University of Chicago in Chemistry and did postdoctoral stints at the Free University in Amsterdam studying biophysics and the University of Southern California studying chemistry. In 2005, Dr. Larson moved to the University of California, Davis as an assistant professor. He was promoted to associate professor in 2012 and was promoted to full professor in 2019. Dr. Larson's current research interests extend across many scientific disciplines, including biophysics, physical chemistry, molecular biology, and computational modeling, with a common thread of investigating and characterizing rapid condensed phase dynamics. Dr. Larson is the founder and director of the Libretex project, consisting of 12 independently operating and interconnected libraries that focus on augmenting post-secondary education in specific fields in both the STEM fields, the social sciences, and the humanities. Please welcome Dr. Okay, Dr. Larson, thanks again for joining me. Um, what have been your long-standing interests in the field of science? Well, uh, I, I've always enjoyed pursuing truth, uh, or at least what I thought was truth. <laughs> uh, it wasn't until later on in my education that I understand that science is not entirely that, uh, if you you understand science properly. Um, but it's that desire of trying to identify truth that has uh, guided me in terms of what we, what I, I do um, and what I've been doing for the last um, multiple decades. Wow, that's good. That's good. So can you give me one specific example of where this occurred, where you were seeking for truth or going after truth or the desire was evident in some of your experiences, whether it be in research or in the work you've done with Libretex, which um, I, from my understanding, I would say that has created opportunities for a lot of people to gain access to more information and to further their skills and develop their acumen in terms of the chemical sciences and other areas as well. So, well, well I mean, definitely. So, uh, as a research level professor, I have obligations in terms of maintaining a research laboratory in my field of sciences. 
ultra-fast laser spectroscopy of primarily photoreceptor-based uh, systems okay. and other photoactive systems. Uh, and then in the last 13, 14 years, we've been pursuing the LibreText project. Uh, in its earlier incarnation, it was called the ChemWiki, which is meant more of a dissemination of content in order to facilitate the education of uh, students, uh, both in America and abroad, because that's a, a guiding principle of that. Uh, I, I would say the desire for pursuing truth uh, uh, is more in the former category rather than the LibreText project, which is a very different uh, perspective on doing things. Uh, okay. And, you know, I, I should be clear about that. Um, you know, basically every manuscript that uh, you know, of the hundred or so manuscripts that I've published, uh, pursues some level of what we consider to be truth. That being said, I should be specific, and this is a common issue that uh, lay people have in terms of science, that while science pursues truth, and we use truth uh, in quotations, is actually uh, uh, is more pursuing models in order to interpret reality under the hopes that we identify truth, but you can argue from a philosophical argument, we will never get there. Um, and that's particularly important, especially in uh, current discourse of science, uh, especially in America, about uh, recognizing the limitations of science. Uh, and if you believe that science resolves truth, then uh, when science naturally evolves, it starts, to, truth shouldn't naturally evolve, uh, at least truth of the underlying material. And, and so there's a disconnect that, that's involved in that. But nonetheless, uh, it, it's, uh, truth and knowledge has always been something that's uh, guided me uh, far more than other issues like grades, for example, uh, much to the displeasure of uh, some of my uh, high school instructors. <clears throat> okay. uh, and so. Um, okay. I can certainly discuss any manuscript that you may want in, in more detail, if I could remember uh, the manuscripts that you may be interested in, but it, it's, a, it's a general aspect. And it, it underlies all uh, research uh, active faculty uh, that are constantly, be, uh, constantly pursuing these scientific uh, endeavors. Okay. okay, that's good, that's good. So my, another question I have, how do you maintain view of the bigger picture in your career and in your life in general? How do you see, how do you maintain view of your end goals, uh, even in research, even when you encounter whether it be a challenge or something of that sort or an obstacle, how do you maintain view of the bigger picture? Well, um, I would say the answer is poorly uh, these days. Uh, the, the, everything is in, in, in sheer chaos uh, and I'm not entirely sure where things are going to lie in the upcoming months uh, or even years. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, it's obviously important in order to have a good uh, uh, balance between work and home life uh, and such. Uh, unfortunately, many of my colleagues and myself included uh, don't have a great balance of that. Um, so our work uh, is constantly uh, extended into our private life. Um, and I would say uh, that's, I definitely am in that, in that category. Uh, <clears throat> and there are certainly a lot of, uh, so I'm not in a great position in order to provide um, recommendations for people who are trying to see the, uh, the balance between those two. In terms of the bigger picture of career, um, the key point is to recognize that multiple career paths are available uh, and that you can switch from one to the other as needed. Uh, for example, uh, when I started as a professor 15 uh, years ago, it was research, research, research as the primary uh, uh, 
obligation or priority uh, in my uh, my work life. The in the last. 10 years of that has been slowly transitioning into the LibreText project, as you mentioned before, uh, because that uh, I could see has a very uh, meaningful impact. Uh, and while research is very uh, fulfilling in many ways and many aspects, it can, it can have a, a paradigm shift of, uh, of all of culture and all of reality, or at least the way we view reality, uh, the vast majority of research uh, is incremental or uh, doesn't fall in line in that category. So it's hard to see the impact of what you're doing. You know, it's nice to see, you know, how many, what your age index is and how many citations and things like that. But in, when it's all said and done, uh, it's the LibreText project that really uh, helps to put me into a context of seeing the uh, impact of what I'm trying to do. And then that really uh, drives me in order to pursue it. Okay, that's good. That's very good. So as we continue, another question that comes to mind is, how have you been adaptive and creative in the field of science? Um, well, I mean, it's really easy in order to go to uh, this quote that Einstein uh, gave uh, many years ago in terms of basically arguing that imagination is one of the most important aspects associated with doing good science. And that's very true. Uh, so yeah. it, it's the uh, scientists that are very rigid in the way that they view things oftentimes uh, have a very short half-life um, and, and are unable to deal with the fact that ch things change and you be able to, uh, to deal with it. So uh, one of the nice things about being at a large university provides us uh, faculty that has the opportunity to be exposed to a wide range of different uh, activities, uh, research in a variety of different fields uh, and of, in um, and various ways of implementing things. Uh, and that right there uh, is probably one of the most important aspects associated with uh, maintaining uh, my ability in order to be adaptive uh, and creative to what's going on there. If I were in a much smaller institution um, with uh, far fewer faculty coming in, visitors, uh, speakers, and such like that, I think it'd be a harder opportunity or a harder chance for me to be able to maintain that. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's very true. It's very true. So, um, another question I have for you, how have you sought or found the right environment for you to thrive scientifically and intellectually? How, have you, how did you find it? Because uh, I think anyone, uh, any observer could say that you are thriving scientifically and intellectually. So how would you describe the process or the journey for you finding this place or right environment? Well, uh, as a chemist, you typically make a decision sometime in graduate school uh, and perhaps earlier about whether you want to pursue, pursue academia uh, or if you want to go into industry. Uh, and they have their different cultures and benefits and detractions associated with that. So that's the first point that needs to be done in order to decide uh, where to go. Uh, naturally, in both of those directions requires finding a, a place to sit. Uh, uh, and uh, when it comes to academia, uh, it actually turns out that there are, if, if you want to do research level um, at the R1 institution, uh, there are uh, a handful 
multiple handfuls of departments that you can go to um, uh, and you go in the market and and such and you typically uh, if you're lucky get a handful of uh, offers that you're able to to work from uh, and then you're largely stationary for a period of time so you don't have a lot of flexibility um, knock on wood uh, many people do move around um, but uh, most faculty don't move around from one campus to another campus uh, and then that's largely where you're stuck and I use the term stuck quite loosely here it's not meant to be a negative uh, necessarily but uh, the mobility is uh, far less than what you can expect in uh, industry where you can go from one transition one spot to another spot part of the reason for that is in academia um, you have the opportunity of getting tenure, which provides a strong stability uh, and protection for your job, which is exceedingly important <laughs> right now in, the, in this COVID era. Um, so uh, that is tied into the position. So it, once you have that, you're less likely in order to move. Although when you do move, you oftentimes can negotiate to have tenure uh, come with you. Um, uh, so that's not meant to say that you're up in the, uh, it's random in terms of uh, where you find the right environment. Uh, once you come to the campus that you're at, then it's up to you to find your uh, colleagues that you're able to communicate with uh, and the community uh, uh, within the campus in order for you to be able to fit into and, and pursue that. And again, by being in a larger institution, I've been fortunate in order to be able to find uh, many uh, groups and many faculty that I've had great scientific relationships with uh, and collaborations in order to move forward. So it's important to always uh, look for these people in order to move forward. Okay, yes, that's true. That's very true. Um, as well as how have you maintained vision and teamwork in your environment? Well, I mean, one of the important things uh, to keep in mind with that question is that as, when you're running a research uh, program, you're running a research group, which means that you have graduate students, oftentimes undergraduate students, maybe postdoctoral research assistants and such like that. So you're intrinsically running a collaborative uh, group. Um, uh, and the more important aspect is how to run that group effectively. Um, and uh, unfortunately, many of us uh, learn that by trial and error less than... Uh, being trained in terms of how to be an effective manager in order to run these students and move it forward. Um, so <clears throat> uh, that uh, collaborative aspect is uh, baked into how research is typically done in academia. It's also baked into how uh, research is done in, in industry, although I know less about that, uh, in part because there's a lot of uh, return investment evaluations and uh, oversight and feedback in order to make sure that revenue and costs are all used effectively off of that. But I can't really comment confidently on that, uh, that culture. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Uh, also, my question for you is, why did you choose chemistry as a field to major in? Why did you choose chemistry? You know, I, it's always been chemistry for me. Uh, it's okay. never been a choice. <laughs> so let me phrase that. The biggest choice I had in college was what type of chemistry I was interested in. Okay. Whether, whether, and physical chemistry came out quite naturally because of my uh, interest in math and physics and such like that. Was, uh, but I always had a desire for biological chemistry. In fact, for the first quarter uh, uh, at the University of Washington, uh, I was a 
biochemistry major uh, and then I switched over to physical chemistry, but I, I overlap with biology, physics, and chemistry in my research. Okay. So it sounds like you, you have done work in biophysical chemistry. Yes. Okay. Um, my question to you also is what specific area of physical chemistry really was your main interest? Was it thermo, thermodynamics or quantum mechanics, or was it a mixture of both? No, I, um, I love thermodynamics, um, but I'm, uh, but I'm a kineticist or a dynamicist at, at heart. Uh, okay. <clears throat> um, uh, quantum mechanics is beautiful. Uh, statistical mechanics is beautiful. It's, it's all, it's all beautiful. Um, uh, when you get into the, the, the details behind it, um, uh, it, so, um, you know, I was trained in graduate school as a dynamicist and specifically an ultra fast laser dynamicist. So dynamicist. So I was interested in things that happening on a femtosecond, picosecond, nanosecond timescale. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, before that in, uh, uh, when I was an undergraduate, uh, I was trained in a gas phase, uh, molecular beam, uh, helium cluster, uh, experiment with some mass spectrometry and a few other things associated with that. So I went from gas phase to condensed phase and uh, transitioned from, uh, uh, dynamics in the, that are more, uh, energy resolved to dynamics that are, uh, uh temporally resolved. Uh, okay. So. okay. Um, so you said it was always chemistry for you. So even in your doctoral studies, you didn't feel like changing your mind or you didn't consider changing course? Well, you know, if you talk to anyone who's gone through graduate school, typically, at least in America, which is on the average of about five years in order to get your PhD, uh, you get the blues right around the third year. Okay. Uh, and that's when you need, uh, that's when you start looking at uh, do you really want to do this uh, sort of thing? Now, that the, the magnitude of the blues uh, depends upon um, the, the healthiness of the relationship with your advisor uh, and your colleagues in the group, and, and that is invariably related to the campus that you're in. So some campuses are less healthy than other campuses. Okay. Um, but uh, certainly I went through the blues uh, in order to, to look at alternative uh, options out there. Um, <clears throat> uh, but I, I stuck with it uh, and moved forward and quite happy that I did. Yeah, and you could see the fruits of your labor, the success, as we see right now. Um, my last two questions for you. Do you have any advice to those wanting to pursue the field you are currently working in? Uh, are you referring to ultrafast laser spectroscopy, to chemistry, academia specifically? or Academia to- specifically. Um, specifically towards undergraduates and incoming graduate students and current graduate students, so students in general. Uh, <clears throat> I, I've seen a lot of students come in that may doubt themselves, uh, okay. doubt their ability in order to move forward. Uh, and I've seen some graduate students that uh, overly inflate their expectations of how successful they're going to be based off of their intelligence. 
uh, how well they do in classes. Uh, and I think the single most important trait in order to be successful in graduate school is not the education, as I'm afraid it's not the intelligence, although that is always good. It's, it's always the dedication, uh, how much effort you're willing to dedicate to your program and making it successful. Um, as long as your your education, your intelligence meets a certain level, then it's just basically uh, how much skin are you willing to put into the game in order to move it forward. Uh, and and that is that's that I would say is the single most important uh, component associated with the success of a graduate student, and something I I, I encourage graduate students uh, to develop early, which is a good work ethic, and because that makes your advisor happy. Uh, okay. to see your progress. Uh, when your advisor are happy, the letters of recommendation get stronger uh, and everything is a positive feedback in order to move forward. Uh, and then you can flip it around by saying a poor, poor work ethic typically doesn't get you very far at all uh, okay. for the same reason. So I've seen very intelligent people uh, in institutions I've been in before, you know, University of Chicago and, and Berkeley um, uh, and other places uh, that have uh, collapsed and failed because they just didn't have the work ethic in order to be able to put the time in necessary to be successful in graduate school. So that's the number one thing that I would feel is important for uh, students to uh, cultivate. Yeah, I agree. Work ethic is very important. Um, so my last question for you, what has been some of the most beneficial advice you have received to date? Uh, <laughs> it's really quite broad. Um, uh, <clears throat> So if I were to target that towards students looking at graduate school programs, the most productive advice that I could give and that I have gotten uh, was that when you're looking at graduate programs uh, and you have been accepted at several graduate programs, to go to the program that has the most number of faculty that you would like to work with. So if you have a campus that has a specific person that you definitively want to work with and no one else that you really want to work with, the odds of you getting into a specific program is not always 100%, if it's a specific, uh, graduate, specific uh, faculty member. So uh, having the secondary uh, options available uh, are exceedingly important in order to be able to move forward. So all graduate program, of all advice for at that stage, uh, that's the one I think that's most important in selecting graduate programs um, uh, out there. Um, everything else uh, is a function of the work ethic that I talked about before. You just continue on, you wanna continue that uh, and move that forward um, uh, through every stage of what you're doing. At some point, uh, uh, so when you become a faculty member, uh, you have flexibility to be able to guide your research in the ways that you want. Um, and, and that's one of the aspects where the creativity that you brought up uh, a while ago is exceedingly important in order to find out where you want your research to go. Um, but that also gives you a bigger picture about, well, what do you want to do uh, in your research, in your activities? And you have in most, as a faculty, uh, especially as a tenured faculty member in, in most American institutions, and I think most institutions abroad, uh, you have a lot of freedom to decide about what you want to do. So 
for example, you mentioned the Lever Text project. That right there doesn't fold directly into this research active project uh, that is encouraged uh, for faculty in my position. Uh, nonetheless, I had the utility freedom uh, uh, in order to be able to pursue it, and I pursued it quite aggressively, um, uh, where it's taken even some of the work ethic that I was talking about away from my research, uh, but that's because uh, I value it at the same level as I value my research. So it's important to be flexible uh, and be dynamic and pursue what you want to pursue when you have the opportunities in order to do so. Okay, that's good. That's very good. Thank you so much, Dr. Larson, for joining me today. It is much appreciated. No worries. Sounds great. Thanks for listening. We're glad you were able to tune into this podcast. Once again, this is The New Chemist, where we discuss chemistry, which simply put is the science of change, as well as the other sciences, careers, community, research, and COVID-19. Thanks again for listening. Note, the views on this podcast represent those of my guests and I.